I'm a member of the Red Sox Nation. It's a kind of a family. Wherever I roam, up and way home, that's where I long to be. I'm a member of the Red Sox Nation. It's a kind of insanity. Yeah, I live and die with Red Sox pride for eternity. Make a smile November until opening day Suffering baseball withdrawal around the clock When April comes, hey, meet me down on your feet way That's when Red Sox Nation starts rock I'm a member of the Red Sox Nation Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the first ever episode of the Benny and the Bets podcast, covering Boston Red Sox baseball. For everyone staying up late on Periscope, you can find the podcast right now just on SoundCloud and iTunes. I will hopefully have it up and running on Spreaker, Player FM, and iHeartRadio within the next week or so, so just bear with me on that. Red Sox just wrapped up a uh, four-game set against the Chicago White Sox, which we will be getting into. I am Terry Cushman, and I am joined, as always, by Dave Kwiatkowski and Austin Hartsfield. How are you, gentlemen? Doing great. We got a new name. You got my name right. It's just, it's a great night. <laughs> you act like he never gets your name right. <laughs> it's honestly amazing how quickly he got it right, too. It was like the first podcast. He's like, I'll get it. By the second one, he was like, yep, got it. I'm not going to lie, though. I, um, I'm not 100% confident as it comes out, but... <laughs> But it comes out great. It's better than whatever I pronounce anything on this podcast. So, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> like that we'll picture, like that picture on Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, that's my dude. Yeah. Well, all right, we'll just get right down to business. Uh, Red Sox started uh, Game One against the White Sox on Thursday. Rick Porcello got the start, and much like his recent few was not a good one gave up four runs in the first two innings Avisail Garcia was responsible for three of them Boston's offense was flat until the seventh inning when Swihart and Bradley drove in multiple RBIs Bradley struck again in the ninth with another uh, run batted in and uh, as well as Ben Benintendi, J.D. Martinez then landed the knockout blow with a three-run shot Sox win that game nine to four Game two, Nathan Avoldi on the mound, continuing with his recent theme, not a very good start. Avisail Garcia drove in a run uh, in the first inning, followed by a two-run home run by former top Red Sox prospect, Yoan Moncada. Game went into a two-hour rain delay, uh, only three pitches into the bottom of the third. Neither starter returned. Michael Kopech was the other starter, pitched pretty well. Uh, Matt Davidson in the seventh inning hit a three-run shot. Uh, Benintendi put up the lone Red Sox run with a solo shot. Red Sox lose that game 6-1. to one. Game three, Eduardo Rodriguez returned very epically. Struck out 10 of the first 12 batters. Jackie Bradley and Eduardo Nunez both hit home runs in the fifth. Uh, 
uh, solo home runs in the fifth. And then in the seventh, Pierce and Martinez both hit RBI singles. And then in the eighth inning, Ian Kinsler hit his first home run in a Red Sox uniform. Sox win that one 6-1. to one. And finally, game four today, an absolute bloodbath. Brian Johnson only lasting uh, an inning and a third, gave up four earned runs. White Sox went on to score four more. Uh, James Shields uh, put up six scoreless innings in a vintage performance. Sox only mustered uh, five hits all day long. They were all singles, never scored a run. Eight nothing the final. So from here, we will uh, get right into shout-outs and call-outs. And if you're new to the show, we will uh, call out uh, – excuse me, we'll start – I never get this right. That's the one thing I never get right. <laughs> I uh, We will shout-out uh, players that did well throughout the series and uh, you know talk about what we liked about them. And then we will call out – a player who did not do well and what we did not like about that player. So go ahead, Dave, lead us off with your shout out. So my shout out is going to be Erod. Erod came back from injury for the first time since his ankle rolling of the ankle over first base on a bang bang play at first. He was waited until waited upon until a September call up, so we didn't have to make any other corresponding moves to make sure his ankle is fully healthy, which was a great call, especially since we're in first place all year. But he came in, he pitched amazing. He had 11 strikeouts of his first like 14 batters. He didn't give up any home runs. He walked one person, only gave up two hits, I believe, and two of, two of both of them were not his fault really. One was a bloop, nothing, no hard hit there, and then another one. Stephen Pierce decided to go try and play second base. Didn't get back to first, and Erod gave up a double that, you know, that guy came around and scored, but would have probably pitched out of the jam there, maybe into the seventh, but, well, into the sixth, into the seventh, but on a pitch count there, a little bit of one for the ankle. He threw 90 pitches, and then Corey yanked him out, so five and two-thirds, and really showed us what we were missing. He had a 3-4-4 ERA when he left, picked up right where he left off, and with Porcello struggling recently, gave us a very nice preview of what could be our third starter come the playoffs. Probably one of the finest well, performances of his career, really, or at least top two or three at the worst. Just oh, 100%. Electric. Efficiency-wise, for sure. Yeah. Like strikeouts, you know, pitches, he wasn't anything crazy. Like I said, if he didn't get that bloop single and Pierce actually played first base and not second there he would have been out of that inning at probably 85 pitches and came out for the six so very efficient and impressive with the amount of strikeouts he had i'm gonna i'm gonna keep mine short just because i don't like giving this person in particular credit but <laughs> i guess i have to swallow my pride every now and then uh drew pomeranz looked phenomenal through the four innings that he pitched i mean sure he gave up a hit every now and then seven in total but he got six k's and he got out of it and at the end of the day, if you can get out of the inning without giving up any runs, that's what your job is as a reliever. And he looked really good in relief. Absolutely. Yeah. He looked good. He, yeah. uh, you know, I know you hate to say it and you hate to see it, but you know, we're, it's exciting just in the time that the bullpen has been great recently. You need a few bright spots and Brazier's been one. He's been one recently. And, you know, I guess Barnes turned it around a little bit. You know, after his blow up, and after besides that blow up, he's been solid. But you know, I'd say that it was definitely a positive, right? 
I, I like Pomeranz, so I, you know, I, I like to see that anyway, but, you know, c- confidence-wise, I'm sure I'm not too far off from where you guys are when it comes to him. Uh, my uh, shout-out will go to Ian Kinsler, who coming into today, he was 0 for 3 today, but coming into it, he was 9 for his last 19, hit his first uh, home run, finally, in this series, and uh, scored six runs in the last two series as well. So getting on base, playing pretty well. Um, still a great defender at second base. And nice to see that kind of production. So that's, Yeah, uh, definitely nice. I mean, he's. we all know he's going to be a great defender, obviously. And if he can bat over 250, it would be very clutch. And he's been active on the base paths. He's been getting on base. And... You know, with Nunez is playing as well as he is, and, you know, Devers still down in Pawtucket, you know, I'm pretty confident with Nunez at the moment there. So, you know, we have a really good infield when it comes to hitting with the rotation of Moreland and Pierce there. So, Kins was settling into his role very nicely. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so we'll flip it to call-outs now. So who are you calling out, Dave? I'm going to call out – Austin's not going to be happy, but I'm going to call out Andrew Benatendi. okay. He's been bad. No other way really to say it. He did hit a home run in a losing effort in Game Three of this series. It was he even surprised himself. He it looked like it was going foul, you know, nothing crazy, and snuck inside the pole. But other than that, you know, not a good series at all. His average is under two ninety on the year now. In his last seven days, he's batting one forty three with to only two walks in twenty one at bats. He's hit one double, one home run, and only has three hits during that span. So not great. Obviously, he had a couple hits today, I think, or in his career against Shields, he had one or two. So No, he didn't play today. That's right. He didn't play. Oh, that's his career. His career against Shields was He's two, two for two against Shields with a yep. homer. Yeah, that's why. He didn't play against Shields today, but he had good numbers against him. But he didn't play because he's been so bad. So he needs to step it up. We had Mookie. We called him out the other day. He's turned it around, been on fire again. So hopefully Ben Attendee can do this. We have Atlanta coming up, so we're going to need him to play well, especially with the pit, with no DH. So. We're losing a battle already, so we need Ben Attendee to uh, get back to his Benny Bicep ways. So we all knew that Brian Johnson was pretty bad in the first inning, but I guess I didn't realize how bad he was. I mean, he's got a six seven five ERA in the first inning of any game that he's played in, which is ridiculous. And he's got a three seven seven any other inning. Did not look good. I mean, he barely goes in. He, go, he goes an inning and a third. That was it. Gives up four runs, seven hits. Nothing was really working. Not the not the curveball, not the fastball. He couldn't locate. It was just a bad showing from BJ. Basically, what we thought would happen the past couple months, it finally happened today. Yeah, and I, I actually going to get into him in a little bit, but um, definitely one of uh, the, his worst starts, you know, all year long. So um, yeah, we were waiting for it. You know, I, we were saying for a while we weren't going to be upset if he had a bad start, but when you have this bad of a start, you got to be a little upset, right? If he gave up four runs over six innings or five and two thirds, if like, you know what, decent start, this is his bad start, but he had like 10 of 11 balls that were hit with hard hit balls, and he got four runs in like an inning and a third or two innings. So, can't have that. Just flat out, not good. Absolutely. 
And uh, getting over to my call-out, I'm going with Rick Porcello right now. And with the emergence of Erod, you're kind of wondering where Porcello's postseason standing would be. You know, we've all assumed game three. Maybe it gets knocked down a game. But in his last, let's see, three out of his last five starts, he's failed to go beyond the fifth inning. He's given up. In, in those five games, seven earned runs, one earned run, five earned runs, three earned runs, and only um, he got a quick hook that game against Tampa Bay and uh, and then four the other day. That's probably not going to get it done in the postseason, and we'll get into our bullpen as well, but we need guys like him especially to go six or, or even seven innings, and he's just not getting it done. And in his last three starts, he's given up six hits, six hits, and eight hits in his uh, most recent start. So he's going the wrong way at the wrong time, and hopefully he gets it around because we're going to need to be solid, you know, in those game threes and fours throughout the postseason, especially if, if Price goes out there and gives up what he typically gives up or... You know, if Alex Bregman, you know, beats the shit out of Chris Sale like he has or or whatever, but we need him to be a little bit more solid. We need him to be a John Lackey type guy who can at least keep us in the games. And right now I, I don't like I don't like the way he's trending. No, definitely don't. He's been he's been Erod of the last couple of years recently in the past month or so. He's got these spectacular games, like game against the Yankees and and stuff like that. But the majority of them have been five innings, four runs, six innings, four runs, and it's not terrible, right? Absolutely not. But twenty one million dollars, top three starter. You need more consistency out of him. He just hasn't been consistent at all, and it worries me a little bit that we're in the month of September now, and this is where we need him to be. We need him to rattle off a couple of quality starts in a row, right? We need him to have. You know, two or three quality starts, even if it's six six innings, three runs on the dot. Just show me some consistency because the way Erod pitched yesterday was so dominant that lights out, lights out, and he picked up right where he left off. And if he's going to continue to pitch a three four three five ERA, that's a perfect three starter in the playoffs. And Pomerantz can, I mean, Pomerantz Porcello can be the four, but. You know, if sales as dominant as he's been all year, you almost and with the time he's missed this year and saved, you could you could pitch Chris Sale for three days and and be okay. So, Porcello's on the outside with the amount of rest right he has. Yeah, exactly. I don't. I don't the thing know. with Porcello is you you can always tell when Rick's going to struggle within the first inning because if you see his sinker isn't sinking, that's when you know Rick is going to be struggling. And his sinker hasn't hasn't sunk for probably about what we would say two to three weeks and it's reflected in the stat sheets. Yeah, I, and that's true. And like, it's like when it rains, it pours with him and everybody's hitting him. And, and then in the first half of the year, in the first, at least two months, maybe even the first three months, he had only given up one home run and now it's happening pretty frequently. So that's another thing I, I could have mentioned that's, a little concerning and with with chris sale though i just i i don't know and then we'll open it up for the you know the you know general part of this but um with chris sale 
like I just don't know that they're gonna want to do it every three days with him. Uh, I, I just I've just read into it that they're gonna they're gonna want a four starter. I would say. Yeah, I mean it's definitely safe to have a four starter. I just think if game one of the ALDS he dominates, right? He throws six or seven dominant innings or even eight innings, and game one of the ALCS, again, six, seven, eight dominant innings, and Porcello struggles the way he's been recently, I think if we're tied 1-1 in the ALCS, and, I mean, if we're up 2-1 or down to one if we're going into game four of the ALCS, I think they would throw sale game four, game seven, just because if he's already thrown two really great starts and Porcello's been eh, and there's no signs of him slowing down, no reason not to throw him, especially with the off days and, you know, obviously he wouldn't be pitching games, you know, five, six, and you always, you always get the days off in between. So it would be semi-short rest, but I feel like if he's that good and Porcel's struggling and we have him on the contract next year, we don't have to pay him in free agency. You know, it could be a very similar thing to some of these other big big name that guys that have gotten contracts recently where, hey, show me you can do it in the playoffs. Cool, you did it in the playoffs. Now show me that you're not going to be a bum next year. You know, you look at Chapman, and he clearly isn't the same pitcher, but he's still got his money. So you don't even have to pay Chris Sale next year. So if you can pitch him, and he pitches well in the playoffs, you can throw him every three, four days, then, you know, that just increases his value. And if he does well again next year, it's even better. But I think with this time off, he can. They won't want to do it, but they don't have to make that decision until game four of the ALCS. So they have a lot of time to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to see that scenario play out. You know, I, I just, I'm just not totally confident in it. But maybe the last few weeks of the season, you know, that that could change. If he's having no ill effects, you know, going into the final series or two, then maybe he could be used extra. And and who knows if the Red Sox really want to re-sign him at this point? You know, a month ago we were saying, yeah, we would give him six at 180 or whatever, but. I mean, who really knows? If he's having trouble right now in his age 29, 20, you know, 28, 29 season, how's he going to be when he's 33, 34? So maybe maybe they could take the approach where they're just going to use every ounce that they can get out of him because maybe they don't plan to re-sign him going forward. And I know it's early to talk about that, but maybe... Maybe those thoughts will creep up in October. Yeah, I mean, do everything you can to win now. And I would not be opposed to running Chris Salem to the ground this year and next year and then just letting compensation take take itself if we win one of the two years or back-to-back years, right? But if we're going for longevity and we're trying to keep the starting window rotation open, we do need them, so it'll be interesting. But as long as there's nothing in his elbow... I'm not worried about it. As long as it's not Tommy John, I'm not afraid of it, even if it is a little bit here and there. Because you look at even you know, the best pitchers that have been up and down, they've had injuries. And even look at Kurt Schilling, who you know, had his ankle reconstructed before a game. You know, He was still nails. And Lackey came back from his injury and was nails. And, I mean, Lester didn't have an arm injury, but he had cancer, which you know, messes up with your mind and your body just in general. He came back and he was nails. So... As long as it's not Tommy John, which is something that's a little scary. You know, you look at a guy like Avaldi, who clearly didn't bother him at all. But, you know, you just lose time, and he is getting older, like you said. So, hopefully, we don't have to worry about that. Hopefully, you know, this year and next year he's fine. No no major injuries, and we can just sign him to a six-year, 
200 million dollar deal which i would give him by the way He's worth it. Yeah, I'm on, I'm back on the fence with it cuz I just I just don't know. I mean if he put it this way, if we're going through this all over again next year, then I'm probably going to be totally against it and I'm sure I'll be harping on that, you know, quite a bit through September and October if he's having either a slump or he has to be shut down for a prolonged period of time. So I, I don't know. I mean, and that's a little far off. You know, we are worried about now. And if they give him the Chapman treatment from a couple years ago with the Cubs where they didn't have any intention to re-sign him and just went for it, you know, no matter what, at all costs, you know, so be it. You know, it, it's interesting. It's going to be a huge topic uh, next season for sure. Uh, also, though, speaking of sale, we got to see – firsthand uh michael kopeck and from what i've heard from media he's a rock star out there like there's a huge buzz about him out there huge crowds are you know are watching him you know before a game do his warm-ups and (laughs) i'm just you know i don't know if we really won the trade i guess this year will will depend on that but but Kopech is he looked good he looked good had a couple of wild pitches but but all the potential seems to still be there you're gonna have a couple wild pitches when you throw it 101 but I mean he's everything that we thought he was gonna be we were just waiting on him to get the walks down and the opportunity to get Chris Sale was just too much to pass up and we also gave up Yohan Moncada who's their everyday second baseman also leading the league in strikeouts so it's kind of he's kind of one of the poster children for the boom and bust era at this point it's he might he might single he could hit a double off the wall but 50 percent of the time he's going to strike out so take the good with the bad with this trade if we get a Cy Young pitcher out of this and win a World Series then I think it's all worth it it will be it certainly will oh yeah 100 percent and I mean right now I mean Kopech you know very similar to Sale where you know, you worry about sale as he gets old. He's very violent, right? We always hear that. We always talk about it here. He's got a violent throwing motion. And, you know, obviously, like Terry just said, he's a little worried right now. Kopech has openly said he wants to throw over 110 miles an hour. And also a has a violent motion. And is a lunatic. <laughs> so you factor all those things in. Is he going to even be, you know, is he going to have shoulder or elbow issues by 28? I think he will. And if he doesn't, he's just one of those freaks that just is, has a rubber arm. But he's really good. I, I miss him more than Moncada, to be honest with you. Moncada yes. seems to do really well against the Red Sox. I think if you take his Red Sox it's out. It's a revenge starts, factor. Yeah, but if you take his starts against the Sox out this year, he's batting like 218 on the year and leads the league in the strikeouts category. So he's not Joey Gallo where he's going to hit your 40 home runs a year and bat 210. He's going to bat 210, 220, hit 20 home runs and play good defensively. But you can get that anywhere. And nowadays, like Nunez is going to do that for you, minus the good defensively part. But Kinsler, I know an older guy, is going to do that for you. Hopefully, even back 250. So Kinsler's his equivalent, in my opinion. Yeah, it's very like equivalent. A, actually, younger Ian Kinsler, where Kinsler did pretty much nothing but strike out between like 2011 and I think I, think, I guess it was 09 to 10. Yeah, there was a you know when he was younger, he did that. But you know, I think right now both teams won the trade. Chicago's clearly rebuilding and not as far as way as people thought. You know, they're looking good since the All-Star break and they need bullpen help, but their starting pitchers, Rondon, um, Kopech, 
and Giolito. There's their three starters next year. They're, they're starting three. They have the young talent in the field. They have the number one prospect in baseball, not even called up yet. So they're coming, but the Red Sox got Chris Sale, and they're going to break franchise records this year, and he's going to win a Cy Young maybe, and he was great last year. So it's a, it's a win-win right now. Time will tell who wins in the long run, but very even. One of the few even trades right now for big names. We tried to tell everybody that it was going to be a split, but I'm glad that, again, a lot like the next series that's coming up, that Red Sox fans got to see all this young talent in the south side of Chicago. Like, think about it. We got to see Giolito. We got to see, you know, Moncada. We got to see Kopech. It was, it's pretty nice to see young talent flourishing, and we got it firsthand with Giolito. With Kopech, too, you know, he kind of has a lot of baggage. He, you know, he's got a PED suspension, and or was it a drug suspension? One way or the other, he, he failed a, a piss test for something. And, and then he punched a wall while he was arguing with his roommate in, in the minors and broke his hand. And I'm just thinking, when he was still with us, I'm like, ah, oh, this guy's a nightmare. I mean... He's a hothead. Yeah, how's he going to handle a market like this if he can't handle his roommate or whatever? And and then, you know, and then the suspension. And we kind of went through that with Chavis, you know, already, who I think was drafted right around the time Kopech was. But, um, yeah, so, and he's panning out, so, you know, more power to him. Before this series, I thought that the trade was no worse than even, kind of like you guys were saying, and... So we'll we'll see how it how it all pans out. Anyway, um, let's get into the um, the the call ups uh, with the roster expanding. Um, we got Erod Not as and, many as we thought, huh? No, no, and we'll get into the ones we were hoping to see. But um, right, Erod kind of brought back up. You know, th- those were more injury related, though. Um, uh, and as well as Christian Vasquez, and then uh, Bobby Pointer, who I've always been really kind of curious about. Um, you know, he pitched well in the spring. I'm just kind of surprised with our struggles. He he didn't get another look until now, but but he's up. Robbie Scott, Zhu Wei Lin, and Sam Travis are the call ups. A little underwhelming. Uh, Chavis was sent to the Arizona Fall League to work on his swing. Um, no Brandon Phillips, which is a severe disappointment to me. Um, no Travis Lakins or, um, Durbin Feltman. Yeah. Feltman. (laughs) Devers. Devers not up with us right now. So, um. I do love that development with with what Cora said about him and how he's been playing in general. He's been playing phenomenal down there too. Yeah, I like that Cora kind of told them, like, you can't come here and just coast. I, I do like that. Who are you? I missed who you mentioned there. What what player? Uh, well, I said we didn't call Feltman yet, which obviously I, 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 it's a disappointment for me. But I was saying Cora said to the media that the reason Devers isn't up right now is because he's just not good, and he's going to go with a better option. He hasn't been playing well, and Devers flat out okay. needs to play better. Okay. Yeah, so I'm I love good. that he kind of called him out a little bit there, and – I love, and he's been producing in Pawtucket too since game one that he's been back. So I like that Cora is not pulling the old. You know, I, as much as I love Terry Francona, right? My biggest gripe with him was you you can't lose your job to injury. 
That was Frank Cohn. It's the biggest thing. bullshit thing in sports. Like Tom it, Brady, it, it, like it happened to Drew Bledsoe twice. Yes, it did. And I like that Cora's not doing that because the third baseman's job is Devers, right? From the start of the year. And if Devers didn't get hurt, then at any point he still would be here. But I like that he's flat out saying, listen, Nunez is hot and you weren't playing well. So we're going with Nunez. And when you play better, and if, if Nunez slows down a little bit, then he'll come up. So I, I, I do like that. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, the not just the performance right now, but the veteran presence of Nunez. And he's played a solid third base. I mean, has he made an error? I don't... Uh, he's made a couple, like, throws that could have been errors if it wasn't for Moreland or Pierce. But, Honestly, he's much better at third than he is at second. And I've said all year that makes no sense in my mind, and I hate that. But it's true. He's better at third base than he is second defensively. So he's still a liability, but not as much as a liability that he was at second, where it's just, like, useless. And he's, not, he's decent over there at third. Not as much of a liability as Devers is as well. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. He, he would be throwing errors. Um, yeah, so that that's comforting that we kind of – we kind of know what the deal is over there. Um, Brandon Phillips, though, I mean, I don't know why he wasn't called up because from an offensive production standpoint, he could be the second best infielder offensively. I mean, I think he would be a little bit better than Nunez and then better than Kinsler, I would say, and better than what you're getting out of first base right now. You know, I Moreland was hitting down around 200, and Pierce did get a couple of hits this series, but he was something like I think 230 or so in his last 30 days, so not not a ton there. And I just feel like it was worth a look anyway. <laughs> and he's not he's not even up with the club. Yeah, I agree with you. I I would have liked to see Chavez up here. I would have liked to see. Um, Phillips up here. Obviously, Feltman, I think, needs to be up here. I think some of the other relievers maybe as well. But my thinking of it, and it's like the half-glass full type thing, is that we're waiting till the homestand because we're going to see how a couple of these guys do so far and see if people start to struggle. Slash, you're going to take these guys from Pawtucket all the way to Chicago for like a day and then ship eight guys down to Atlanta for three days and then back up to Boston. So I think it's more of see where people are, see how they're doing, see what the need is. And then when we get back to Boston, they'll probably call up more people because it's much more easier for the players and for the coaches and everybody involved just to kind of be only an hour away in Pawtucket and kind of see like, all right, you know what? Kinsler, you know, struggling a little bit. Let's get Phillips up here. Or Nunez, you know, you know, went over 12 against Atlanta. Like, you know, we'll get Phillips there or Chavez up or something like that. So, well, Chavez is over in the, the fall league, but you know what I mean. I think that hopefully they're just kind of taking their time with it. They do, they do have September to kind of mess around. So, um, Just to get through uh, some of their stats right now, uh, I was really surprised to see Robbie Scott had a 1.86 ERA and 45 relief outings down there because he did not look good in his brief stint earlier with the Red Sox. So... I guess we're going to get some looks from him. Did, although, did he pitch today? I was kind of in and out for the game. Yeah, he pitched today. He, did he give up a run? He did. Okay, yeah. He did. 
Classic. Um, I saw him warming up, but like I said, I was fading in and out. Um, and the sad part is, like, if he if he was productive, you know, if he can be a good, solid person in this bullpen, he answers the lefty question, and it would solve a lot of our problems. But he's Robbie Scott, so I don't think that he's going to be that guy. Right. Well, we'll know for sure here in another couple weeks, but um, he did I, not. Sorry, he did not give up an earned run today. That was oh. that was Cuevas. Cuevas gave up two, and Velasquez gave up one. So Robbie was the only good one. Oh, yeah, okay. actually, Cuevas was actually really good. He gave up a solo shot to a guy, and at one point, every single batter he retired was via strikeout. Yeah, he had five like of them. seven. Yeah, he had like six or seven strikeout. Oh, five. Yeah, at, at one point he was at five or I thought six, but. He, he pitched very well coming out of the bullpen, too, in his first start. So it was nice to see. He had some solo shots, but it wasn't like he was loading the bases up and, and stuff like that. So that was good to see, at least. We know basically what Zue Lin is. I mean, he's just a triple A player. Yeah. yeah, I don't know why Phillips didn't get the call up over him. Right. That, that confuses me, like, from the start. I feel like Phillips should have been up over him, and... I think even Sam Travis, like, I'd rather take Chavez. Like, we have a log jam at first base almost. Yeah. yeah, we do. And, like, and Pierce is literally in there just for lefties. I think this year, going into the game he started, he was batting 400 this year, they said, or like 400 recently against lefties. Like, he's been amazing against lefties. And, like, that's why he's there. So, you we know, like, we know what we're going to get out of Sue Lynn. He has 45 ABs and he's only hitting 178. Yeah, his first week will always be solid, and he'll drop off dramatically. With Pierce, he, he does just enough. It's kind of fool's gold because he does just enough the first week to like kind of convince everybody, and you know, get all the get all the you know the quick people to jump on the bandwagon quick, and the fans get attached to him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 100%. and also though with with Pierce, it really seems like. He's only going to be serviceable against starting lefties because the last few times Cora's tried to send him in against the lefty reliever, they made a change, you know? So it's like, you know, he kind of, his upside as being a great lefty hitter just kind of gets taken away from us in the late innings. So um. Yeah, that that that's uh, one of those things that changes, I feel, in the postseason because if we're going to start Sandy at catcher, right? and we start Moreland at first, and we pinch hit Moreland. No, I'm sorry. We'll say there's a lefty starter, right? And Pierce is in there. That's great. Moreland starting against righties. If it's a pinch hit lefty situation for Pierce, they're going to bring in a righty. That's when you can bring in Swihart to bat righty against the now righty reliever. And then you can have him play first as well. So we can kind of play some mind games once it comes to the playoffs with that. There's just so many people at first base now. I mean... We even saw Brock play first base the other night, which is really confusing. And you have four first basemen right now. You have Brock Holt, Swihart, Pierce, and Moreland. You didn't need Sam Travis. You didn't need Lynn. I'd rather take Chavez and Phillips, or even Dahlbeck and Phillips. I want a Dahlbeck, like honestly. Yeah. I really want Lincoln. Yeah, and Lincoln's as well. Maybe instead of somebody else, but the, we'll see. I'm sure guys will get called up again, and I'm sure there'll be more injuries and everything else. The frustrating, well, not frustrating, but the the thing that just kind of leaves us wanting more is the fact that none of these guys are a sure thing. Even if it was Chavis that was up and, and Dahlbeck, like you just mentioned, like 
we're looking for that one impact guy to plug in somewhere that's going to make a huge difference. And, and none of these guys, unfortunately, stand out as that. I thought maybe Phillips could, actually. But, but even then, I mean, it's Nunez is playing very well. So That's the thing with this. Like, nobody has it stamped on their head like, hey, I'm going to bat 400 this month. You know, you got to take maybe a chance on a guy. And maybe that's what Dave's thinking. You know, I mean, who's going to do it? I mean, Sam Travis can catch fire. We all know that. You know, the no no batting gloves. He can do it every now and then. But I don't think he can sustain it for a whole month. Do you all? No, but he won't be playing for a whole month. And I think the other part of it is we don't really need September call-ups on this team currently. Like, the only thing you would say we need it for is the bullpen. But batting-wise, everybody's set. Like, who we're going to play with. The only one that's a, a question mark is Devers. Is Devers going to be on the starting nine for the postseason roster? Like, will he be there? Other than that, we know who the outfield is going to be. We know catching's going to be, you know, we're going to carry three catchers, but we know Sandy's going to get the game one start. We know Bogart is short, and we know Moreland or Pierce at first, but, and we know Kinsler at second at the moment. So, really, it's just Devers or Nunez over there. And, Starting pitching-wise, we know it's going to be Sale. We know it's going to be Price. Erod or Porcello, one of the two, right? It's not like we're, like, you know, the Mariners right now. Outside looking in, you know, could use a little bit of a spark. You know, do we need a pitcher? Do we need a reliever? We're in a really good spot, and I feel as though that's another big factor where we don't want to rush anybody. So I think Dave's, you know, Dabrowski's thinking, like, we don't need to rush anybody. We're number one in the league. We're about to hit 100 wins in, like, a week. You know, I think we'll be all right. I think maybe that's playing into it as well, which is wild, but it's kind of the truth. Um, yeah. Getting into the the fact that we didn't make a move, I mean, well, you know, what? let's talk about a July thirty first move for the, for a moment. Like, Evaldi is a complete bust to me. Like, that's where I'm at right now. He hasn't gone. Fool's gold. Yeah, I just who the hell was the guy that pitched those first two starts? <laughs> you know, because he's he's not the guy we have right now. And and Pedro supposedly worked with him, and they they his landing foot off the mound. Yeah, he was coming down on his heel, and Pedro's like, "Well, if you come down on your toes, you can command your off speed stuff a little better." And I think that just messed with him worse. He just he looked even more lost on the mound, and the rain delay kind of saved him really from looking a lot worse than than he was. And I just I don't know. I mean, and I'm pulling up his stats right now, but he hasn't gone past the fifth inning since that second start either. Uh, no, he hasn't. But the Philly one would have been past that if it wasn't interleague play. And the Cleveland were third, giving up four runs. Uh, he's been, I don't think he's been a bust. I mean, he does have two amazing starts. The Philly start was really good. And the Cleveland start was eh. Obviously, his last two starts against Tampa and the White Sox have not been good. But he did get you two great wins. They technically won that game against Baltimore that he had that blow up in. The Philly game that we lost 7-4, he pitched well in. Really well, actually. He gave up one earned run in five innings against a playoff team. So no complaints there. It's just been his last two starts specifically that have been really bad. And, I mean, he could turn it around, but, I mean, he hasn't been, you know, I don't think he's been a complete bust. I think 
if you look at what Jalen Beeks was giving us at the time, it was awful. You look at what, you know, Velasquez can do, it's good, but only like three innings. Brian Johnson's already in there because Stephen Wright was out. So I think he was helping us with the options. It's just, you know, he's been struggling the last two or three starts now. But I think he can turn it back around. There's no reason why he wouldn't be able to. I mean, he did it against the Yankees. He did it against Minnesota. He did it against Philly. Why can't he do it against, you know, Baltimore and Toronto that we have coming up? So, I mean, we can say that, you know, yeah, but with a lot of those last four or five starts you know but but it was still a far cry from those first two like he wasn't even in the same zone as those two and and then in the last two specifically like you said he's just he's just been putrid and i don't know if he he figures it out and the the one area that the red sox are hopefully going to be able to address here as the month of September progresses, is we're going to need a solid long-inning reliever guy. Like, we're going to have to identify that guy before the playoffs start. And we don't have that guy right now. I mean, Erod's going to be in the rotation. There's no way around that. Brian Johnson has a 4.94 ERA on the year as a reliever with a 1.42 whip. And as Austin was saying... In the opening segment, he's he sucks in the in the first inning. He's got a six something ERA, so he's not a guy we're gonna go to. And and if Cora trusted him, he wouldn't have that automatic hook in the, in the fifth inning. So that's not a guy you can look at. I, I don't think you can. Evaldi's uh, not showing me anything right now that's gonna say he's definitely the guy. Uh, Pomeranz, I don't know. I mean, if he. Trends no. up I know. I, he, he slows in the first inning, though. Like, he's just as bad, if not worse, than BJ. So you can't even... If you're not going to pitch BJ, you can't even think about uh, Pomerantz. Well, I, I don't think so either. But, I mean, he, he at least showed us something in his last outing. And, you know, we still do have a month. But, but the point I'm making is there's nobody right now. And we need that one guy. <laughs> what about Stephen Wright? Maybe. He's may- coming back. Maybe he's going to be ready. And Velasquez, both of them. Those would be my two at the moment. Velasquez is a no for me. Yeah, I don't like him in that start, especially against a really good team. I mean, you know, he did fine against them. We're talking about relief, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you win Velasquez in the fifth inning? Well, right now I would, but, I mean, he's not – like, he's not – he's going to be the worst, you know, long reliever. I thought we were talking about the fourth starter. Oh no! Oh. I, no, the fourth start. I, I wasn't even talking about the fourth start. I was talking about no. We're talking relief. about long relief. You got. Relief, he, I think he, I wouldn't trust Drew to like watch my dead dog, much less <laughs> pitch in a meaningful game. I'm just saying it's bad. It's bad. Hopefully, we don't need long relief. Technically, like, I mean, that's like the last thing on my mind when it comes to a postseason pitching rotation. It's like you need your three starters. And you need your seventh, eighth, nine guy. I don't think uh, we really need a long reliever. So when you know price blows, who's coming in, or when sale goes three innings, who's coming in? Like, I don't think of that. And you can kind of piece that together with your starters that you already have, being you know Johnson, who minus the first thing has been really good this year. Velasquez has been solid pretty much all year. Stephen Wright's coming back, who was nailed before he got hurt again. 
and you have and then you have maybe Porcello in there. So you never know. But I I think I don't think it matters. I think teams are going to be doing that, though. I mean, Terry Francona in 2016 rewrote the the playbook for that, and we saw the Astros do it last year with Morton and Peacock. And um, but it was mostly just one guy, though. It was mostly Miller and Morton. You know, that was pretty much it. So unless we take Erod or Porcello and stick them in there, or or Stephen Wright, which would be wild because he's a knuckleballer, and you never know. Can you imagine that? It would be crazy. The problem is, like, if it's off, it's really off, and you're just completely screwed with Stephen. Yeah, and and his I, and I love Stephen Wright, and if that works, awesome, and, and we might get a better sense of that. But his durability is is key as well, and that surgery he had, you know, with the cadaver, you know, the restoration or whatever. Dave, Dave's a lot more well-versed with that than I am. That's not really, a, you know, a, a common surgery that's been done. It's like it's relatively new, especially in the knee and uh, with, with athletes, I mean. And so um, it's just a big question mark right now. And And the weird thing about Wright is when he does get injured, he falls off an immediate cliff. Like he goes from looking brilliant, basically pitching almost a complete game to getting absolutely shelled in the next start and then immediately on the DL. So it's just one thing in the back of my mind right now where, where we don't have that, that guaranteed long reliever. Yeah. We're going to figure that out in the next month. I, I think right now, if we need a long reliever, like if the playoffs start tomorrow, it would be Brian Johnson. Uh, the reason he comes out in the fifth inning every time is because he's bad after teams get a couple looks at him. So it's that's the, it's like the third time through. Over. Exactly, the third time through. But if you throw Brian, Brian, Brian Johnson out in the fifth inning or the sixth inning for two innings, I think he'd be very efficient. Uh, same thing with Velasquez. I don't, I'd like BJ over Velasquez for sure. The good thing about Stephen Wright is that A, he's knuckleballer, so his arm's fine, but B, no arm injuries. So we have a month to basically see, and they're going to use them just like they did at the start of this year, where that was kind of like just when I joined the podcast, which was like he was coming in two innings a night, an inning a night, every, a three innings every other night, whatever it was, and I made the case to, hey, if he's doing this, get him in the rotation. He helps more there, which he did, obviously, until he got hurt again. So they're going to take it easy and see how he does now. Do I think he needs to be in the postseason rotation? No, I don't think so. I think we have enough for that. But if he if his knee shows up, well, holds up, if his knee does, he can pitch every other day in the postseason. And we don't need him to pitch the seventh or eighth inning. He's just strictly there for if someone can't make it through the fifth or sixth inning, which at this point, I feel pretty confident that Price and Sale are going to make it through the fifth and sixth. So a long reliever at this point is going to be for probably two starts, which would be Erod for sure, and Porcello at this point, which is he's getting five and six there. So Stephen Wright in game three, maybe game four, an inning or two, I, I think that's very possible. You know, and yeah. like I said, you know, if it works out, then that, that would be great. You know, I, I like his stuff, and and it, it's a really violent knuckleball, you know, more so than, than Dickey or, or Wakefield, so... 
So uh, ho hopefully it works out. But don't forget, though, Johnson in the first inning, as we said, uh, you know, an ERA over six. So, you know, that's uh, I'm, uh, that would make me really nervous. But Yeah, know. that would be. But I feel as though before he became a starter for us in the rotation, like more than just a spot start here and there, he wasn't getting as beat up in the first inning of relief. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, let, let's go over some of the names that were available at the deadline. Um, uh, Francisco Gio. Liriano, uh, Gio as well. And uh, is it Jerry Blevins, the, the Mets pitcher? Yeah. yeah, I'm not as familiar with him, but but we didn't we didn't make a move. And a lot of people, like, the vibe was guys disappointing. guys that you want to make moves for, though, in my opinion, at least. Like... I None of them have proven playoff resumes. You know, Gio, we mentioned, has been really bad. So it's every, like, every I, other wanna, I would rather go within, like, the system. I agree. I think the moves are made in single-A, double-A, and triple-A right now. And just getting, you know, workmen and, and, you know, guys like that back on track. That's what I think. I don't think we needed to go reach for a bullpen guy. We didn't need a starting pitcher because everyone's coming back, apparently, with Wright and Erod. And we didn't need a bat, because we have the bats down in AAA right now, and fill up Chavez and Dahlbeck, So We're not in the same position that Oakland is. Oakland needed to go out and get a starting pitcher. They just put their ace and their number two on the DL. Manai's off of the year, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So it's it you they had to go out and have a Gio Gonzalez reunion, so that, that move made sense. Now, everybody else, nobody really made a move. Well, with, with Gio, I don't think the cost was going to be high. I didn't see what he ended up going for, but he has not been great, and he is in his walk year, so there's no long-term controllable value there. But, I mean, where we just got done talking about we don't have that long reliever, you know, maybe, maybe a role like that might have emerged for a guy like Gio or Lariano. And from what I read, uh, Liriano has been absolutely killer against lefties, which is, you know, I mean, we're looking at Robbie Scott right now, you know, possibly taking on and that role. So, <laughs> and yeah. so I just, I don't know. The vibe on social media seemed to be that, Dombrowski needed to do something, and nothing was done. And and Liriano was the hot name amongst the beat writers in the in the final twenty four hours. And um, Red Sox, Red Sox media, Red Sox social media is always in turmoil. Like we should know that first and foremost. Like the sky is always falling, and the Yankees acted like the sky was falling, making three separate moves. Yeah, I mean, I I, I truly think that this bullpen can figure it out and there are many options within that they can explore in the next month call-ups and and stuff like that to get it going and this bullpen is very good free all-star break it was one of the best if not it was a top three in the mlb and there's no reason it can't get back to that there's no reason that a brazier or thornburg or kelly can could dominate the eighth Kimbrel can Kimbrel, and then you just need just a seventh inning guy or sixth inning guy. Both I think like Kelly's seven. almost there too. I think he's like really close to being back to where he was pre All Star break. 
Yeah, I mean, he's looked good. And, you know, if Erod goes five innings in game three of the ALDS and you bring in Kelly for the sixth, and then you clean, the, clean bases, clean bases, you bring him in the sixth, you could make him go into the second, into the seventh, and then bring in somebody else, a Thornburg, anyone. And then you have Brazier for the eighth, and you have Kimbrough for the ninth at this moment, like right now today. So that sounds good to me with all yeah. the call up with guys like. Workman and Pointer and all these random specialists and Walden and I mean Walden hasn't pitched you know much decision but you know what I mean like these guys are there and you know and Robbie Scott you know you have all these guys you're going to use them and you know even even honestly even a Pomeranz you never know like we don't know now obviously but there are a lot of names in this bullpen that have had a lot of success earlier this year and recently too so and Matt Barnes and Hembry who you know they're still there. Well, that they exist. There are their ERAs are above five though, and, and Barnes above six since since the All Star break, and and Kimbrel yeah, yeah, as well. no, they need to they need to get together, but they're they were so good pre All Star break that there's no reason they can't get it back together. Yeah, but they haven't been perennially good. They've been okay, you know, at times coming into the season, and I think you know whether we say this fan base is just absolutely rabid. I mean, we definitely improved the least of all the other teams at, at both trade deadlines. Because, like I said, I mean, we're not getting much out of Evaldi. He's a big question mark. I mean, maybe he gets it together. Who knows? But but we're not, we haven't really got much out of him. And Kinsler is okay. I mean, but I mean, eating up. But what what else? I mean, so many other teams made bigger, more impactful moves, and we're essentially the same team as we were on May uh, March twenty ninth when the when the season got going. <laughs> so because well, they, think... they they had the capital to make those moves, like we're we're struggling, and I think that we have probably six really good players in that prospect system, and I don't want to give up any of those guys to go out and get a guy who I you know might be another Evaldi, and might not be. The answer. Well, how yeah, how I much think... better would you feel though right now if Cole Hamels was on this staff? I just don't think it was, we don't have the we don't have the the capital for that though. We don't have the system. Like we I mean, weren't going to outbid Hamels, anybody. Yeah, I wanted Cole Hamels from the start, but we couldn't get him. He also had a no trade, and he wanted to go to the Cubs. So that's kind of a reach of a question because obviously I would have wanted Cole Hamels, and he was even traded for nothing effect. though. Yeah, but he didn't want to come here. He wanted to go to the Cubs. He had a no trade. So he waived it to go to Chicago, where he knew he would play, and he went to an easier, you know, he went to the NL, where it's much easier than the he's AL. comfortable. And he's comfortable. So he didn't want to be in Boston, or else he would have been in Boston. If you tell your agent, yeah, I want to go to the best team in the league, and you says, yeah, my guy wants to go to your team, let's get this done, it's going to get it's done. It's going to get done. Like, simple. My big thing is, with everybody at the deadline, is it's just the sexy names, but take away the name. What did these guys get? Minus Hamels, which we couldn't have gotten anyway. Josh Donaldson sucks. He blows. He's not even ready for Major League Baseball. Not at this even point. ready for baseball. So Cleveland got a guy that they're they they're they're hoping is 2014 or 15. So Yankees did the exact same thing with McCutcheon. Yankees did the exact same thing with McCutcheon. Lance Lynn's been a disaster, like you talked about before the podcast. Came Jay out. Happ hasn't been phenomenal. Jay happened in good his first six starts, but he had reverse Evaldi. The first two or three starts, you know, Yankee fans are saying this guy's the biggest bum in the world. Now they're saying that that it's the game one or two starter. 
here's so, here's a quick question. Quick. I, I'd have taken we, him the whole time, but what do we think about the McCutcheon deal? Does that tell us more more about Judge's health, or what do we think? He'll be he'll be ready to start October. Not won't be a hundred percent, but he'll be able to play. This is getting them through September without what's his face out there who sucked Neil, Neil Walker, I think. Yeah, yeah. That that's what this does. With Hamels, I didn't. I'm trying to look up some recent quotes, but he has been on record in the past saying he would love to play for the Boston Red Sox, and um, I can't seem to find anything one way or the other saying he would or would not play for us. But I mean, best team in baseball. I just I I find it really hard to, um, you know, reconcile that he he wouldn't want to come here and, um. He was the Cubs are only paying five million of his salary, and gave that's up Theo doing Theo things though. Gave, yeah, g- but that's the thing. If we if we offered Evaldi, I mean, if we offered Beaks for Hamels, Texas would have said yes. Probably, yeah. I mean, they because they only yeah. got low level, low level that's what A I'm guys. Saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So Hamels just I don't think wanted to come here because I Dombrowski called people. He he's on you know he's on record for saying. He's poked around other teams and was in sweep sweepstakes for other guys, and it just didn't work out. So we can we can say all we want about Dave, but we know that he was active. Yeah, he was you know trying. He's trying to get the best, you know, for his you know team right now. He's a win now guy. So you know he was on the phone saying, "Hey, does Hamilton want to come? What do you want? This and that." And you know, what if they were saying, "Yeah, yeah, we'll give you Cole Hamels. Give us Blake Swihart. No shot, right? Okay, put the whiteout down. <laughs> well, with with Hamels, I mean, I just I think they they fell asleep. To be honest with you, I mean, his home numbers weren't very good. His road numbers were very good. We had a lot of lefties, so I don't know if they really saw the value in bringing in another lefty. But in hindsight, we don't have a righty anyway outside of Porcello. Okay, so, so I'll give you Hamels. Name me another guy that you're really pissed off about that we missed on. We were in play. Dave Dombrowski was on record saying we were in play for Zach Britton, and we could have made the deal but did not do it. Because I think I'm more upset about Herrera than Britton, honestly. Britton looked really bad with the Yankees. I haven't looked at his numbers recently, but really bad start. Had multiple outings where he was booed off the mound at Yankee Stadium, and they probably would have wanted more of our now top prospects because we didn't have the depth. And now him and Batances have to be the closers. <laughs> yeah. So not that upset about Britain. I'll, I'll take he has out. I'll take him over Thornburg. I'll, I'll take him over Hembry. You know, I, I mean, I, I know he got off to a rough start. I My computer's acting really slow. Right? Two months to figure it out with him. And I don't know. I just, here's the other thing. We've got 94 wins conservatively, we're probably going to get to at least 105, conservatively. And we, if we don't at least go to the World Series, and some people might say we have to win the World Series. <laughs> That's like... Yeah, you th- these questions. You these questions are going to be asked ad nauseum. You know, I'm I'm talking about yeah, it on we're September second. The 2016 2nd. Cubs. Like, I don't know how many times I have to bring like bring yeah, it we up. Like, we've the best team wire to wire. Yep. You know, now it's just time to do it in October. I mean, the Cubs struggled in October up until then too. I mean, sure they'd won a playoff series the year before, but still got swept in the LCS. I feel like that's the best comparison for this team in the past ten years. 
Well, they had young prospects that could actually hit, you know, and I, wasn't that the MVP year for Bryant, or was that the year before? I don't know. It is. But this is going to be the MVP for Betts, probably, or hopefully, Martinez, either one. Hopefully, but they, they hit, and and they did have John Lester, who had two rings and could definitely pitch in the month of October, and we don't have a John Lester right now. We're hoping that somebody becomes the John Lester, but, but we don't have it. I... I I felt really good about the Cubs' chances all year long, and I, I never really questioned it. And, you know, I, I thought they looked really good on the field, on paper, all the way through. So I'm just saying, like like I said, it's September 2nd. I'm asking, you know, did we do enough? And I'm skeptical whether we did enough. And, and these questions ad nauseum are going to be asked from the game we get tossed, if that happens, through the winter meetings, and and you might yeah, of course it will. You might see some fire Dombrowski hashtags. You know, not for me. I'm not going to do it, but but yeah, it, it's gonna. We're gonna see it. So um, also uh, in on Britain, he has a 4.06 ERA and a 1.39 WHIP, and that was lowest significant significant lowered a lot. In the last seven days, where he has a one whip and a two point two five ERA and four innings pitched, Hembry and Barnes both have better numbers than that, and Thornburg are inflated numbers, one point four eight whip and a five three one ERA after his three run home run yesterday. So, very similar numbers to Zach Britton. So you would have had another Tyler Thornburg basically in the pen. Just yeah, but I mean, he has the he has the precedence though that that none of these guys had i mean he was an mvp candidate last year as a reliever so what I mean, a question mark in october yeah and that's true but i just think there's there's more there than than the guys we currently have and and you know we're gonna go we're gonna be going through this in a few weeks when we're playing really good teams and 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 I guess I'll say this. I want to talk about Kimbrell. Like, I feel like we've gotten totally lost, you know, from because that's a that's a huge issue. But um, in a couple of weeks, though, you know, basically, I don't know, like the 10th the forward when we're playing all, almost all good teams, that is who we are in that three match. You know, if we struggle, then that's probably what our October is. Like, we are who we are in those last few weeks. If we blow through it, then good, you know, then, you know, we're looking good for October, but, but, you know, take last year, we looked really good in April and May and, but, you know, that wasn't the team that showed up in October. The team that showed up in October was the August and September team. So, so that run starts tomorrow. We're going to, we're going to get more answers here. Yeah. And really tomorrow, because we got Houston right after and uh and this is a playoff team in atlanta who looks really good is is really like full of life and has prospects that can light up a statute so right well uh, let me just discuss kimbrell and then we're, we're at the hour mark we'll get right into the preview but he hasn't pitched since the 28th and i was a little disappointed you know yesterday when we had we it wasn't wouldn't have been a safe situation and i know his brain like goes to fucking jupiter when it's not a safe situation but but it totally does but he he needs he needs to work this out like he needs opportunities here to go in there and just play with things to to somehow get guys out and I don't 
I don't know what he's concerned about. He's not going to win the Rolex Relief Award, or the sorry, the Mariano Rivera Relief Award. Like Edwin Diaz has that locked up. Like get it out of your head and pitch in non-save situations. Right, and and go back to August first. I don't think he was. I don't think it was panic mode yet with him. But I was starting. I was one of the first to start chirping about it, saying, "Look, he's." the leadoff runner for the inning is automatically getting on and and people need to be concerned about this and and you know people would you know chirp back at me oh he's the best reliever in baseball and and you know and I thought well maybe he'll turn it around but it's September 1st now okay we're on September 1st and he hasn't figured it out what happens if we get to October 1st and he hasn't figured it out? Is Cora going to automatically give him the ninth inning? He will give him a chance at it, right? Like, if Sale goes eight innings and we're up 3 nothing in the ALDS game one, Kimbrel's coming out. Like, he's going to come I, out, I don't, and he should. Well, I, I'm not comfortable with that at the moment, and... and I mean, if he has the same month with an ERA over five for the month, I think Cora has to has to think outside the box. I, I don't want to. Well, in his, la- in his last couple of weeks, he's been really good. His last uh, two weeks, two and a half weeks. Yeah, well, he did have he's... three scoreless, maybe even hitless starts before the most recent one where he blew the save. It was... Yeah, it was four. so after his three games in a row that he did really bad in, and against uh, you know the Yankees, Toronto, and Baltimore, and Baltimore gave up a run in each, including back-to-back home runs. Against Baltimore, he gave up one hit and no run earned runs. Then he went three straight outings without a hit or an earned run. And then against Miami, he gave up one run, one hit, two walks. That was his last bad start, and he ended up picking up the win because we won it in extras. But he went four really great starts in a row after having three not good starts in a row. So hopefully he's just trending back up and not going to go back into the three. But you got to go with who got you here. If the playoffs started tomorrow, I want Craig Kimball in there for the ninth inning. If they started tomorrow, but they don't. And like I said, we got a tough schedule coming up. And I, you know, he he's he's a choke artist in his two, in his two, lone playoff appearances we went home last year because craig kimbrell sucked in game four and yeah that was one of the reasons why for sure i i just i I mean he's he's a raging head case he can't pitch unless it's a safe situation and i haven't i don't know what this stat is now but in 2016 as we were getting through like august he in 18 out of 23 starts, when he came in while the game was tied, he he gave up the uh, the go-ahead run. So, he's just, I don't know. I'm not a Kimbrough guy, and hopefully we don't waste any money on him in, in, in the offseason. But I just... Not comfortable with him, and the the past precedence isn't good, and I don't know. I, I would respect Alex Cora more as a manager if he said, look, I'm going with Brazier in the ninth inning. If Sale goes eight and he wants to go with Brazier, I'm going to be a bigger Cora guy than I was before that game started. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't be. <laughs> 
I, I would, but it bears watching, and you know, I'll we'll all be watching intently. You know, when it, when when he does come in, especially to see if he can get guys out. You know, via a swing and miss, because they're staying off his his rising fastball and and the leadoff guy is getting on the he walked too. You know. In his last appearance, the first two guys got walked. So, um, I don't know. We'll see. You guys are more comfortable with him than I am. Um, yeah, I just think he'll. Ba- I think he'll bounce back to his forty innings, one point one seven ERA that he had pre All Star break. I just feel like he'll bounce back to that. Uh, we'll see. Um, we'll get into the uh, the preview now. Um, Three games set tomorrow. My buddy Avoldi starts against, is it Tukey, <laughs> Toussaint, Toussaint? Toussaint, I believe. Toussaint. The eye is silent. Yep. And uh, so I don't, I didn't do any advanced. Uh, he's uh, in his last he's three. Good. If he even, ha- has he pitched three starts? Oh, his second career start. So, yeah, so he, he won his uh, debut <laughs> And uh looks like he only gave up one. It was pretty good in that debut, too. Yeah. Yeah, who did he pitch against? The Marlins or something like that in his debut? I think so. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a great prospect. He's one of their top prospects. He's one of their top pitching prospects in general. I mean, he's a good pitcher. We'll see what he does against a really good team. I believe he played against the Marlins last time, who obviously sucked. So, interested to see with that. And same thing, kind of interested to see what we get with Evaldi. Do we get five, six innings quality start Evaldi, or do we get three innings, five earned runs Evaldi? Kind he of did. He did there. pitch against the Marlins. He he uh, he only gave up one run over six innings pitch with two hits, two walks, four strikeouts. But against the Marlins, so we kind of take it with a grain of salt. But he's he's a good young prospect. We just got to see what we get out of Ovaldi. Yeah, we really do. I mean, we're very. Up, I think it's a very up in the air start. Honestly, I'm just gonna go flat out, give it to Atlanta just because Ovaldi's been bad recently. But you know. Tucson could pitch shitty. I don't know. I'm just going to give it to them just because Evaldi hasn't shown me anything recently. So, You know, and here's the thing right with the set. I don't know that I really want to pitch to Ronald Acuna right now. Everything low. I, I, I know you can't be scared of somebody, right? But the kid's on fire. Yeah, he's going to lead off. I, I think tomorrow's a bullpen day, basically. <laughs> I, I think... If Avoldi gets through three, you know, without giving up at least four runs, then good. But I, I have no confidence in that guy, and he hasn't had more than five strikeouts either. I didn't mention that he he's never struck out more than five in any of his Boston starts so far. So yeah, he's a pitch the contact pitcher, which is Evaldi crazy is for for, sure. for a guy. Usually the the guys who top out at like ninety or ninety two are your contact hitters. He throws gas and. Doesn't strike guys out. Well, he, re- he relies on his cutter to basically jam people out and get ground balls. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's an interesting series. It's one of these series right now that if we lose it two to one, I'm not going to be in panic mode because we got a Valdi pitching tomorrow and we don't have a starter for Wednesday. It's an extended view because I think that this team is better than Philly. Like I, yeah, I they are. They're going to win this question. More young talent, more energy. I mean. Better manager. I mean, obviously Terry doesn't like Gabe, but I mean Snicker's been guy. really good, and uh, it should be exciting for sure. I, I do like Snicker. Um, 
you know, he's an old guy and he's kind of defying the trend of, you know, young managers and kind of, kind of won the job in a way. And I like to see that. And it's not that I, it's so much that I don't like Gabe. It's just, I hate hardcore analytics. And I I guess that's kind of why I do like Cora. And, you know, I know I complain a lot, but but I, I do like the fact that he's not a hardcore analytics guy. And he's Bo- old school. Yeah, Boston, uh, you know, doubled their analytics uh, department in the off season, but that was the focus of that was mostly on like defensive alignments and whatnot, and that, that's why we're seeing the cards come out of their back pockets in between at bats and, and stuff like that. And that stuff I'm all for. That's that's great, but I'm not bringing out Heath Hembree against. Um, you know, like John Carlos Stanton because he struck him out four times in April and May. You know, with the way he's pitching now, that's that's a feral type, you know, move. He he would bring him in for that reason, even though Hembry has struggled. But yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, but um, who pitches game two? Uh, Rick Porcello game two. So I'm kind of looking at that as as Dave kind of said with. With Evoldi, I just want him to show me something. I, you know, if he can, if he can go six strong, give up two or three runs against an offense like Atlanta, then um, that would be great. And he's up against Sean Newcomb, who I think pretty much shut us down in uh, the spring start. So he's also yeah, a new- stud. So I mean, yeah, but yeah. we're catching Newcomb at a good time. He's absolutely sucked his last four starts. His last four starts, he's given up five earned runs, seven earned runs, zero to Miami, and then six earned runs. So he's been awful his last four starts, minus that Miami one. Catch him at a good time. So that's a good thing. I, I think the Sox take that game. I think Porcello Porce- would be a little bit better. And Newcomb's struggling because he just hasn't been good against anyone. He played, Mel- he played Colorado, uh, the Brewers, and Tampa, two teams that are playoff bound maybe and tampa bay who's been on fire recently so this is gonna sound so ridiculous but like the most important at bat of the entire each game is literally the first at bat because if you let acuna launch one and get another leadoff home run because i think he has eight now like you're already done and you don't want to get down one nothing and give this team more confidence than they already have yeah it's big and on the on the flip side for us we have mookie Betts who can do that as well and because we don't have that DH spot, it's going to be tough to get runs to begin with. So we can't be down the hole. And game three, question mark for us. We got Fulty going for them, who <laughs> has been great this year, just you know, wire to wire. So Part of the reason that they're in the position that they are. Yeah, exactly. His last start, he gave up four against the Cubs. But prior to that, you know, five great starts in a row with all under two. So I'm going to give that game to them because I don't know who's throwing for us. Now, if Sale magically comes and throws for us, that's different. But, you know, I, I think that I think they win this series 2-1. to one, But I don't think it shows us who we are. I don't think it starts for pitching-wise until we get into our actual rotation. Hitting-wise, We have though, a DH. Yeah, not even that. Just hitting-wise, we need to show who we are because we're playing everybody but, you know, an extra guy but Mookie, Benatendi, Bogart, JD Martinez, anyone that's playing there is gonna be playing during the, the postseason. They need to hit. You know, our spot starter, Avaldi, are not gonna be pitching in the AL at the, in pitching at all as a starter 
and Porcello right now will be the fourth in ALCS. So we won't even see him in the DS. So I don't mind pitching-wise. This is a strictly hitting and bullpen type of series for me. I don't care about the outcome. I just need to yeah. see some life from hitting and the bullpen. It's Question, who do you think the starting outfield is tomorrow? Uh, is two, uh, is what's-his-face a lefty or no? Toussaint? Yeah. No, he's a righty. Uh, then it's going to be Ben Attendee, J.D. Bradley, give J.D. a day off. Uh, I heard maybe. I, I heard J.D. Bradley. was going to sit in two of these games. So Okay, then yeah, so definitely they're going to let uh, J.B.J. probably play tomorrow because I'm assuming one of these guys is a lefty. I don't really know. Off the top of my head, Newcomb. Newcomb's uh, a lefty. Uh, so yeah, that makes Newcomb. sense. So, so Newcomb, who's been good all year, and then yep, and then Fulty is a, a righty. So I'm assuming that JBJ will sit game two and start game one and three, and JD will get game one and three off. So I think I mean it all depends on uh, what happens tomorrow, and I think that they actually get to Tuki Toussaint. You know, it's only a second start, and it's against a really good uh, batting Red Sox team. You're not playing the Marlins again, so I think they get to him, and I think they take two out of three because I don't think that they win the third start. Well, another thing, too, is we're kind of lucky that the Yankees are sucking right now because this does not look like a good series for us on paper as far as pitching matchups go based on their recent trends. Um, No. So, I mean, it's nice that we have the lead that we have, and it looks like... Yankees suck against the Tigers. Yeah, I mean, even if we were tied right now, the Yankees have Oakland coming up. Like, they might get... They could possibly get swept from Oakland. You know, like not, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna say this really. real quick. The AL East has the keys to the AL wild card in the next week, basically. Yeah, because they can control we can, it. If if the Yankees, if if us and the Yankees manage to take care of take care of the AL West teams, you know, just take the series, it could swing it in a big way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if we go out and sweep Houston and the Athletics sweep the Yankees, I mean, that's huge. Right. Yeah. Then uh, Oakland. Uh, yeah. You, yeah. I think, did Austin cut out there? I think Did so. I? Okay. Well, you're, you're fine now. You're back so. now. We're at uh, that magic moment in the podcast where everything starts going to shit. Yeah. Um. Well, ten o'clock Central Time. That's right. With um with the Houston series though, it sounds like Chris Hale's going to open. I guess and um. Price is going to start, so how does who else is in there then? Johnson, I guess? Yeah, yeah BJ be in there for sure then somewhere. Yeah, so maybe two out of three at best with them, but um, yeah. yeah. Well, what do you think for this Atlanta series, Terry? Yeah, the Stanley Atlanta all series. Shit's all I'm, I'm going to say we're, we're only winning one out of three. Uh, that's what I'm I feeling. I think so, too. Yeah. Yeah, we don't I, know. I I'll be so the optimist. Though. No, be the opposite, because you know what? If we beat Toussaint, then we probably will win two out of three. But I think we're going to win one out of three. I'm not going to be upset as long as we produce with the bats. If we lose the game eight to seven, so be it against with the Baldi starting. And then if Porcello pitches well, whoever the spot starter is, I don't really care. But I'm looking forward to see how we hit good pitching again. And with they got three good pitchers there, so I'm, I'm excited for that. Not MLB wide viewers from the Red Sox fans' perspective. First view of SunTrust Park, by the way. Yes, that is true. I've not seen it yet this year. One last thing, though, and we'll just talk some MLB stuff and then head off, but 
I kind of want them to start Johnson against Fulte on Wednesday because that would that would open up Porcello for sure on uh, to make the whole Houston series an audition. Yeah, just to kind of get the matchups right, and uh, so I don't know. And and Johnson only went what one and a third today, so that should be fine. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. But like you, you guys were just saying, you know, new ballpark, so that'll be interesting. Um, what else is just going on though right now? I, we're pretty comfortable with the the A's winning the NL uh, East. Uh, the Cubs, how did they look over the weekend? Uh, Javi Baez hit his thirtieth home run, hundred hundred RBI. They are ridiculous. Only other only other Cub to ever do that's Ryan Sandberg, and that's a huge name in Chicago history. Yeah, he um, he could be a low key MVP there, along with uh, Arenado and uh, even Christian Yelich at this point. But uh, NL wise, nothing too crazy. I guess the craziest thing. I mean, nothing in the East going on. Chicago's t- starting to take a stranglehold of the Central. They're up five games on the Brewers, five and a half on the Cardinals. So. They're back to their winning ways. Just the West, really. You had the Dodgers kind of handle the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks had some poor relief pitching, specifically with Bradley as Matt Kemp destroyed them. So they're in first place now all of a sudden. Half a game up for the Rockies, game up on the Diamondbacks. So kind of flip-flop from last time we talked. They were two and a half back out. Now they're half a game up. Probably the most exciting thing. Got the, going on right got the Cubs the at the wrong time. Yeah, they did. They did catch the Cubs the wrong time. But LA's looking good. I mean, if Kemp can keep doing that, that's definitely helped with their lineup wise. And, you know, the Rockies are hanging around. And, I mean, it's going to be interesting. That's going to come down to the last weekend. Yeah. And what about Oakland right now? Because um, the AL um, wild card is interesting. And I know Manaya and. Um, Anderson are both on the DL. Yeah, I heard Manaya was out for the year. Oh, really? I, yeah. I think that's right. yeah, so he's out for the year, which really hurts them. Obviously, they're ace and their best pitcher since day one. They, they handed have, Seattle, too. Yeah, they did. They have, they're have they up five and a half or four and a half on Seattle right now. But, you know, the Yankees kind of play big right now because the Yankees go from Oakland to Seattle to Minnesota. They're on a nine-game road trip. But if Oakland sweeps the Yankees or takes two out of, say they take two out of three from the Yankees and the Where Yankees take two out of three from the Mariners, that puts the Athletics, you know, two or three back from the Yankees, but, you know, six or seven up on the on the Mariners going into the, the final, you know, stretch here. Yankees have to go to Oakland, by the way. Have to go to Oakland. Yeah, That's it's a, a big... yeah, it's a nine-game road trip for them. It's Oakland, Seattle, wow. and those. That's, uh, yeah, their their September's kind of as tough as ours, really. And then they have us, you know, twice. Yeah, they there. just they basically use the same schedule and just move the teams around. They normally play the teams right after us, or that's usually how it goes when with the schedule making. Yeah, they got um, it got interesting all of a sudden because of how well the teams are playing for them. They play Oakland, who's a playoff team, Seattle, who's trying to be a playoff team. Us, Minnesota, who thinks they're a playoff team, <laughs> Tampa Bay, who thinks they're a playoff team and playing like one. And then the and then us at the end of the season. Their last seven games, they play Tampa for four, us for three. So, and they don't play Tampa well to begin with. And now they start out the month with Oakland and Seattle. So, 
they could be in a lot of trouble when it comes to at the end of the year just you know having to play that wild card game where it's going to be played. They're only four and a half up on Oakland right now. If they get swept, they're only one and a half up. So going to be interesting there. They're running CC Happ and Severino, and Oakland's running Cahill, uh, uh, Spot Start, and then Fears. So still some good pitching matchups as Cahill's been great this year and Fears has been good as they well. Don't, they don't have a they don't have a, a Baltimore start in there, do they? Uh, they like play a, Baltimore right um, before the right game. after. Is right at, we play, they play us Baltimore Tampa Boston to start, round out the year. Oh, okay, so they get a Baltimore in there, but okay. they also I was just making sure I was, thought that was weird that they didn't and we did. Yeah, I skipped over Toronto and Baltimore for them because obviously who cares? The Indians have Miller back on the DL, but I saw on MLB Network that the um. The feeling there is that they're kind of taking a similar like Red Sox Chris Sale approach where they're so just he's fresh fresh yeah they're just resting him and they have the luxury to do it so yeah their their division's the worst division in baseball so they can have the luxury to do that yeah because when I first saw that and and it's it was for a shoulder I'm like Jesus Christ you know I mean is that guy ever going to be healthy but it turns out it's more of a, a phantom thing so. Um. Yeah. So with with Oakland though, do they have a shot at winning the division at this point? Because they're only what? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Two and a half. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're like two and a half and back. Tonight's not over, over, by the way. Yeah. Angels. Angels are only up. Are only down one to the Astros right now. Yeah. Yeah. Angels are down one currently. So. And now with Minaya out though, I mean, that, is that a game changer for us? Like, like if. Say Oakland were to win the wild card against the Yankees, which I think is still perfectly reasonable. I mean, they could yeah send one game for sure. Yeah, fires out there like not having the guy that no hit us could be like is that a game? Yeah, changer that's for a us? huge mental block. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's huge. And I mean, to be fair, we only would see him once, maybe twice, anyway, because they would have thrown him in the wild card, right? And then we would have saw him what game three, maybe so three and five or two and five, something like that. But it's huge. It's it's mentally big, and on top of that, it just lowers their rotation. So they have to throw Cahill or Fears in game one of the wild card, and then the opposite of that, game one of the DS, and then game two. I don't even know who they're going to throw at this point. So, well, actually, real I, quick tidbit: pitching the Los Angeles Angels right now, Jenny Tizawa. Hey, there you go. Uh, they're screwed. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Anderson, uh, his injury is not thought to be serious, and and he could be back uh, maybe within the week. So, so there you go. So game one wild card will be uh, Anderson, and if they win that, it'll be Cahill Fears as the one two in games one and two. I don't know which one and two, but then you'll have Anderson game three. So, yeah, that's what you're looking at there. All right. Uh, all right, I guess uh, we can uh, pretty much wrap it up on that. So, uh, got some afternoon baseball tomorrow. Uh, then we'll be back on uh, Wednesday evening. All right, sounds good, boys. Sounds good. All right, have yes, a I guess. Well, thanks, uh, everyone, again for tuning in to the first episode of the Benny and the Bets podcast and i'm not gonna lie i had to write out my intro that way i wouldn't flub it because when i changed it from the fire feral podcast to the avid boston podcast i just flubbed it for at least three shows straight so 
Um, so thanks, everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. A lot of interesting talk because there was a lot to really go over, you know, as far as the roster call-ups and the the lack thereof and, and the lack of uh, any moves on August 31st. So, um, so we'll, uh, like I said, be back on Wednesday evening and uh, hopefully we do better than what a uh, couple of us were just talking about would uh, expect against the Braves. So two out of three would be great. Have a good uh, start to your week, everyone. It's a kind of insanity. Yeah, I live and die with Red Sox pride for eternity.